Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hucker. With me today, Jess Mellington, hostess with the mostess. Welcome, Jess. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. Great to have you here, as always. Now, super, super excited about today's episode. I'm very excited about all of our episodes each week, but today especially so, being a self-confessed chocoholic. With me today, I have the founder, one of the founders of the Great Ocean Road Chocolate Tree and Ice Creamery, Leanne Neeland. Lovely to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Ben. Not sure what I'm up for, but let's, <laughs> let's go for it. Have you done some podcasts before? No, it's first. I'm a podcast virgin. There you go. Well, there you go. Yeah, do you listen to podcasts? Or? No, I don't listen to anything that doesn't involve my business at the moment. We're <laughs> working 24-7, so yeah. Yeah, really appreciate your time today. So just for our listeners out there, with Leanne and your husband, Ian, are the owners of the Great Ocean Road Chocolate Tree. Did I get that right? Chocolate tree? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a tricky word and we love that everyone mixes it all up and uh, <laughs> often they just say we're going to the chocolate factory, which chocolate is okay factory. too. Yeah. <laughs> now it's, uh, we must say, it's, I'll let you give an introduction of the business and what you're all about and the rest, but um, we just came through the showroom floor, myself and Jess, and it's buzzing with activity. How's it all going after Corona? It's not really after Corona yet, are we? So how's it going? And today's conditions. Yeah, so it's certainly very tough. Um, we went to, you know, less than 5% income for 11 or 12 weeks. Um, so Ian and I uh, built our first chocolatry, the Yarra Valley Chocolatry and Ice Creamery uh, in 2012. So that's nearly eight years old. And uh, that's a beast of a business. It has 800,000 visitors a year. And then four years ago, we built our beautiful Great Ocean Road Chocolatry and Ice Creamery. And then 18 months ago, Mornington Peninsula Chocolatry and Ice Creamery over in Flinders. So one and a half million visitors every year went to less than a thousand per week. Um, so Gosh. it was really, really mm. tough. Um, we had 220 staff that, you know, we'd nurtured and trained. Mm. And we're very much part of our, the chocolatry family and we laid 80% of those off. And uh, so the core team kind of rolled their sleeves up with us and said, okay, you know, let's um, try and save the businesses as best we can. And it's still very, very uncertain. You know, we are still mm. not sure if we are yeah, going to make it um, through. Yeah, really appreciate your time in light of the circumstances. And it's a, it's a hive of activity out there today, but... Uh, you mentioned just before the podcast that it's a little bit difficult, you know, counting people and making sure people comply with restrictions. So even though the doors are open, it's adding another layer of complexity and headaches. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, there's uh, 76 people were allowed in the showroom here at Great Ocean Road and, you know, 20 in each dining area. So we've turned our classrooms into dining areas and we've got, you know, outdoor, which works when it's not raining. Um, and yeah, so there's queues of people, there's lots of, um, you know, deep cleaning, there's lots of forms to fill out, we have to sign everything off, do extra training, which, you know, of course, you know, we certainly want to make sure that we are looking after the safety of our customers and staff. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, some people are a bit crabby out there and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're in the firing line often. Uh, so um, yeah, there's, you know, we have the, the COVID police come in and, you know, check really? on us. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times a day we'll, uh, you know, I think maybe sometimes they're just after a nice hot chocolate but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah no th which is great you know there are you know there's lots of regulations that we are following and people checking that uh, we're doing the right thing yeah. yeah it's great to see some activity and I know it's difficult and all the rest but yeah as you say it's great to have some people back and 
better than zero, as you say. So yeah, it was so so hard for the team to you know look out you know from their production windows making the chocolates and just not seeing a soul in the showrooms and uh, yeah knowing that their colleagues you know had been laid off. So yeah, terrific to you know bring some of the staff back that haven't worked for three months. They're all a bit rusty and they're all a <laughs> bit you know a few creaking in their bones and uh, yeah so they've uh, yeah certainly like riding a bike. They're back into it now and uh, yeah working hard. Yeah, it sounds like a very cool business. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of the business in just a second, but just for our listeners out there, Leanne and Ian are super busy today, so we're going to divide the podcast into two parts, so part one with Leanne, part two with Ian. So half an hour with Leanne and then 30 minutes with Ian to finish off. So I guess we won't have to ask Ian this question, but where did this all begin? So you had the the factory, the, the chocolate tree in the Mornington Peninsula or the Yarra Valley? Yep, yeah, so that's, Valley, that's where it all started. Is there something else that, that was came before that though? Uh, so I'm a what I call a born entrepreneur. So I had an amazing um, grandfather that was a, a pioneer in business, and then my father. So I grew up in a uh, in an environment where I thought I could do anything. So I went straight from school and I uh, started my first business at the ripe old age of 18. Um, I've kind of never really had much of a job. Um, I've always been self-employed. I've uh, had uh, over 10 businesses now. Um, so yeah, um, I saw an opportunity, so I'm a Western Australian girl and uh, I saw an opportunity for a, a chocolate tourism business. Um, there was um, the Margaret River Chocolate Company over in, in WA and uh, yeah, we thought that there were some big gaps over in you know, this side of Australia with you know the larger population and very foodie. So we travelled around Australia looking for the right um, kind of wine region that um, you know, had the right population and the right um, brand already for great food and great wine and saw a really big gap up at Yarra Valley, um, you know, not much for the families to do. You can only yeah. drag your kids along yeah. for so many wine tastings <laughs> uh, and then eventually you promise them the next one's going to be the chocolate factory. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that. Uh, but we didn't, you know, didn't do it small. We immediately invested $8 million and uh, built, yeah, a, a massive 2,000 square uh, metre building on 40 acres. Um, the locals we were just like shaking their heads you know what are these crazy people <laughs> doing what have they built such a big car park and now that they can see you know that car park you know was uh, full you know each and every day and uh, you know we've bought millions of dollars and uh, to the local economy we're now a destination our own we're the second largest tourist destination second in Victoria. largest right. yep um, Sovereign Behind Hill Sovereign Hill, Hill yep. yeah and uh, yeah, so that's uh, where we went within, you know, a year of that. Okay, let's do it again, and let's yeah. And then we've spent twelve million dollars down here Gosh. at Gradition Road. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the banks are very, very uh, in our pocket. Yeah. So the one thing that struck me immediately, putting in eight million dollars into your first business. So I gather you were quite a successful entrepreneur before you started the business in the in the Yarra Valley. Oh, I'm a typical entrepreneur um, where I have, uh, yeah, lost it all. So, yeah, I had just come out of uh, losing uh, a beautiful big business there. And uh, so, yeah, shook it all off, looked what was around me. And uh, uh, one of my strongest uh, sort of uh, innate um, sort of personalities or, or what I'm about is resilience. And so um, I, you know, couldn't uh, not do it again. So uh, then decided that yeah let's let's keep going let's keep employing people and uh yeah giving back to the community as much as we can 
Yeah, we can definitely see the passion and you can hear it in your voice. But can we ask what that first business was when you were 18 years old? <laughs> um, it was a catering business. Yeah, catering. I, was, I was a, yeah, loved to entertain. So I thought, yep. yeah, let's not entertain just the friends and family. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, but yeah. And so that d- developed into a really big uh, catering business um, with an offsite, um, yeah, cafe. And uh, you yeah, went from there. So they've always been in food and, yep. uh, yeah, developed from there. So a food focus and people focus, I gather, so quite comfortable with people and wanting to be around people I can't picture you this the type of person that's going to be locked in a room running a an online digital business I have done plenty of b2b so yeah so you know 20 years in the middle there it was supplying you know the supermarket chains with fresh produce and and products like that and exporting around the world Um, so yeah this was a big step back to B2C, business to consumer, yep. and uh, guess what? They tell you immediately whether um, something's going well or not, or, or they'll tell you on uh, social media, if not to your face. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a very creative space that, uh, yeah, we work in here, and we've got such a diverse range of customers um, from, you know, um, all areas and regions and nationalities. Uh, so I'm really lucky. Most of my products, well, actually all of my products, um, kind of hit uh, some target audience. So I'm very yeah. lucky not to have failures. Yeah, which alludes to the business model for the chocolate tree. So obviously business has been tough the last couple of months. You rely a lot on traffic and tourism and, you know, footsteps. And um, I read on your website and social media that you've been pivoting to sort of chocolate festivals you might call them and things online and also home delivery as well is are those things that were two new things completely new to your business or are they something you did beforehand uh so in our first year our staff said to us um so are we all going to lose our jobs uh in the winter because the valley uh empties out and we went, whoa, okay, we're not sure. Let's make sure that's not going to happen. And we created a hot chocolate festival in August in our first year. And that, uh, yeah, drove tens of thousands of visitors. And uh, so then we went, okay, let's fill every gap in the year with a festival. So if it's not Easter or Christmas or school holidays, uh, there's a festival. So we have our ice cream festival, our Rocky Road festival, our strawberry festival, our um, brownie festival so amazing festivals um, which keeps us really creative every year we have to create whole new ranges of products keeps the team you know really inspired they get out in new uniforms every month and uh, and our customers have got yeah new exciting reasons to come back and visit us time and time again they're not don't have to be embarrassed that they're chocolates they can go <laughs> because there's something new for us to come and see and a lot of that is happening online now so, yeah, of course, uh, sorry to not uh, directly answer your question there. Yeah, so we were less than half a percent online uh, previously. You know, we are a tourism destination and it's all about getting those uh, people to come and see us. Um, and so, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, our, we'd never, ever closed our doors. We did stay open, but we went down to 30 visitors a day, 50 visitors a day. There was often more staff than visitors. Uh, so then we had to go online. Um, and so then all of a sudden it became 95% of our income um, was online. So, we, um, you know, we unfortunately COVID hit uh, Easter, which mm. was like our biggest. So we had hundreds of thousands of Easter bunnies and every oh. Easter egg possible um, all packed with no one coming to, to buy them. So, yep, we went online and uh, so then we turned it into, yeah, something that was really successful. First we started to do it with discounts and then we started to do it with different offers, um, different deals. And then we were really lucky that our Rocky Road Festival, we had Mother's Day in the middle, so we did Mother's Day um, high teas at home rather than bringing the, the mums in store. 
Um, and yeah, we tried deliveries, we did all the takeaway. Um, people were a little bit angst about um, a chocolate factory not being an essential service. Um, there was a lot of, can I say trolling out aloud? There was a lot of trolling. There was actually even sabotage. There was some damage to our properties. There were signs oh, really? that were that were demolished and things um, for people thinking that we were, you know, contributing to the virus, knowing absolutely nothing about what we were doing and, and why. Um, so it was really important for us to really push the, um, the meal side, the food. We were here to actually feed people as well. Um, so yeah, our kitchens turned into our, and like our poor chefs never want to see another lasagna, but um, <laughs> they made uh, yeah everything possible um, to, to take home. And uh, then when people were not coming to us, we went, okay, let's do deliveries. So um, yeah, staff did deliveries on their way home every All night right. and we uh, had a little van that drove around and yeah, there was a really um, you know great response. Certainly not profitable, but it bought income and it bought you know blood, you know life to yeah to the business, um, which was yeah a good way to go. So everyone chipped in. Absolutely. Like, on your way home from your shift, drop off a couple of Easter eggs. At, yeah, even a couple of them dressed up as the Easter bunny. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> Very cute. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a great initiative. So, do you live here on the surf coast? Uh, so uh, Ian and I uh, live, uh, we have a little house on each of the sites, uh, so okay. we used yep. to spend two or three days at each of the chocolatries, um, but with uh, 80% of our business stripped, um, yeah, I am now uh, majorly running the Yarra Valley Chocolatry, he runs Great Ocean Road, and we kind of get together for one or two nights a week, so it's, yeah, um, that's the heart, that's over everything, over losing money, over everything, it's, uh, yeah, not being a part every day, it's a tough gig for us. Yeah, that's my next question. How do you balance such a busy schedule? I mean, let's just imagine the ordinary course of business. You've got the shop in the Mornington Peninsula, um, the shop at Yarra Valley here and Great Ocean Road. How do you divide your time? How do you go about managing that? And obviously a husband-wife duo as well. So how do you go about maintaining your relationship and staying friendly with each other in spite of <laughs> yeah, enormous very... stress and yeah. all the rest? Um, yeah, uh, amazingly, we sit at a desk that, you know, you can still hold hands at side by side every day. Um, Ian drives, I work on my laptop. Um, we unfortunately have not got any, um, life, um, <laughs> what is it? I even forgot what it's called. Work-life balance. balance. Yeah. <laughs> so you've yeah, even forgotten yeah. what the word is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've given up on that. So yeah, we have very little of that. Um, it's, everything is always about business. We always um, get up in the morning hoping that uh, we work for an easier tomorrow. Um, but we get to find it. So, yeah, don't use us as a good example on that. Um, but, yeah, we're very lucky that we work um, amazingly together and still madly in love. So you don't, madly in love? So you don't feel like you're sacrificing anything? You, you're, you're that passionate about your business and what you do and it's become part of your lifestyle. So it's not a matter of, oh, I wish I could, you know, knock off at 5 o'clock and go home and watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, something like that. Never, ever enters your mind, given your passion for your business and... Oh, of course, of course. It you does. sacrifice everything. Yeah, you yep. sacrifice your families. Our kids don't see us. Um, yeah, we sacrifice our relationship, but yeah, we're lucky that you're together. At least you're kind of um, yeah in the pit, <laughs> fighting to you know yeah. to, to sink or swim together. So um, yeah, no, there's there's serious sacrifice. And how old are your kids? Are they yeah, grown they're up? in their in their twenties and thirties. All grown so up, out of home, doing ab- their own thing. Absolutely. Has the entrepreneurial spirit been passed on to them? Uh, yes, to, to one in particular. So, yeah. Has he started um, like a... Not, not yet. I'm waiting PayPal for the... Mum, I'm ready to start my own business. Can I have $100,000? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't had that conversation yet, but I'm sure it's looming somewhere in the background. <laughs> <laughs> 
So in the beginning for, this just got me thinking about finance and I imagine it's a, a huge capital outlay uh, for a business like this. How do you go about doing something like that in the early stages? So is it just a matter of getting the banks on board and selling them your vision or was it mostly savings? Uh, so yeah, at the, the very beginning where it was just a dream, there was no other um, you know, massive tourist uh, chocolate business. Um, yeah, the banks were not interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we had to look outside uh, for um, external finance. Of course, um, when number two came along, there was a big long queue. Yeah, they couldn't uh, yeah, fight over us fast enough. Uh, so yeah, we are now um, by, you know, with the banks and, and throughout COVID, they've been very supportive. Of course, they've um, given us additional funds, which we've had to. Um, but yeah, we've had, you know, we've lost millions of dollars and gone into extra millions of dollars of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, many times uh, we should have shut the doors and we wouldn't have, have lost as much. But we thought we really wanted to um, have the connection with our customers, um, keep the staff with us. We, ne- you know, we didn't want to lose those uh, integral staff. So um, we've kept going and uh, just, yeah, added to the debt. Yeah, and the way you talk about your staff, they seem like they're integral to your business. And that's, I see, just as, as I was walking down the hallway, we're at the, the back of the chocolate, cherry, chocolate tree, and I see the Hall of Fame for your employees with the Employee of the Month and other things. So they're obviously a pivotal part of your business. Yeah, we're very customer focused, so um, it's important that every person that walks in the door gets a great experience, which is really important. Um, and the core or a very special part of our business is our European chocolatiers. Uh, so, you know, when we were building uh, the Yarra Valley one, uh, we advertised over in Europe. Uh, we naively didn't really realise that you can't become a chocolatier in Australia. So when we were looking for our staff, we went, oh, goodness. So advertised over there and, uh, yeah, then jumped on planes, interviewed these amazing people, and they um, sold their cars, they packed up their flats and their apartments, left their families, and at that stage it was a piece of paper, a plan, and uh, came and joined us. Uh, So, yeah, we have uh, 14 uh, Europeans uh, from France and Belgium, one Argentinian. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we've got four chocolate grandchildren now where they've, you know, got many on um, (laughs) permanent residencies where they've, you know, chosen. And some have, you know, come and gone, they've stayed a year or two years. It's very different chocolate scene here in Australia to over in Europe. So they've kind of got to love, you know, Australia um, because our products are really different different in terms of they're a bit more milky um sure um so yeah 60 percent of our customers are milk chocolate lovers and 20 dark and 20 white that's really broad um but you know they'd never heard of rocky road never heard of honey all these favorite products and Mm. you know unfortunately that's our number one uh a chocolatier is all about you know their skill and their spraying and the you know how thin the chocolate is and the the techniques and the combinations of the flavours and, you know, that's all in the beautiful bonbons and truffles and those things. So um, whereas Aussies, we buy with our eyes, the bigger, the better, um, you know, the more colour. So yeah. some of our favourites, um, yeah, are um, definitely not something that they, you know, they they know if they want their wages paid, they'll, they'll <laughs> make them. But um, it's certainly not something that they would sneak and have a, you know, have a bite of. I can imagine a Frenchman's face the first time seeing a Rocky Road. It yeah. must be quite a sight. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> this it's... is a rocky road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, bulk and zero skill. It's just chocolate and throw yeah. some nuts and some marshmallows and some jellies in, whack it in a slab and chop <laughs> it up. And then we're happy, us Aussies. So, yeah, quite different. Myself and Jess, we were at the... We came to this venue, oh, I think it was this time last year, and I do recall getting 
some rocky road and it lasted about six hours so it was gone i think we came sunday afternoon it was gone sunday evening yeah we didn't have dinner it was just rocky road for dinner (laughs) (laughs) so in terms of the chocolate and the making and the manufacturing that's all done here on site uh yes so we don't go from the cocoa bean Victoria, we can't grow our own chocolate, so we grow many, many of our own ingredients. So we've got orchards um, and kitchen gardens, and we've got large properties that we do that. Um, But yeah, the cocoa only grows in tropical locations. Uh, But we buy 100% sustainable cocoa, really important. We work with our farmers, our chocolatiers go over to Africa. um, And yeah, we put a lot of money uh, back into the farming community to make sure that, uh, you know, our catchphrase is chocolate is forever, because it's not going to be unless we look after the practices of the farmers. And uh, yeah, so we're very, very involved in that. Pre-COVID, you know, I was going over to do a documentary uh, in Indonesia. Um, 20% of our farmers are now um, women, which is really exciting, having cocoa farmers um, being female. Um, So, yeah, really, uh, so we actually buy uh, the chocolate uh, as coverture. We uh, work with the farmers that get sent to Belgium, so we've got beautiful Belgium coverture, and then it gets shipped in containers. Um, And so we buy that. uh, It's like buying, you know, on a gold it changes daily yep. so you have to forecast up to 12 months so we have got container loads of chocolate on All the right. water coming over to us we are overloaded with chocolate and because we lost three months of our sales oh, yeah. and we're still not at um we're at about 50 percent of our revenue at the moment so yeah we're um having to look at really creative ways to to move that chocolate um but yeah so once it comes here then we uh yeah melt it down and we've got beautiful european equipment and uh, it, we have over a thousand ingredients that we add to it to, to make the hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of products. So literally sh- shipping containers full of chocolate? Literally. That come across? 14 tonnes in a container. 14 tonnes yes, of chocolate? Yeah, that's the day that you want to call in sick when one of those arrive. <laughs> Gosh, I can't even actually imagine how much chocolate that is. How many, what's, a, what's one semi-trailer? That'd be... Yeah, it's like tons? a ship. It's a shipping container, yeah. which is yeah, your big semi. About fourteen tons. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, my eyes are just you know <laughs> popping out of my head. But or your tummy. <laughs> yeah, um, that's very cool. So the Europeans, arguably, they are the kings of chocolate. They are the benchmark. Is this where the? Do, we, do you obviously you must have a fair idea of the history of chocolate and all the rest? It comes from Europe, and that's where it all began. It doesn't come from Europe, but yeah, so you know, it's grown, um, yeah, in the, the cocoa belt. Um, so yeah, they train for four to five years, they're at diploma level, you know, it's um, really, really skillful what they do. Um, you know, they can touch the chocolate and they can know, you know, within point one of a degree, you know, where it's at, whether it's tempering, they can, you know, um, yeah, they can make their nougars and, you know, we make beautiful ice creams here. They're all pastry chefs. So we make our own, um, you know, beautiful French pastries. Um, so, yeah, it's endless, the creativity and the fun that we can have. And the cocoa belt, did you say? Mm-hmm. Where, where is that? Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, 15 degrees, you know, in the middle of the world. So yep. 15 degrees so either side of the equator. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so the, the majority is in Ivory Coast, you know, Ghana, Africa. places around there. Yep. Um, it, we used to buy 20% of our beans from Asia, but um, the cocoa uh, farming is a lot less there. 
Um, there hasn't been a lot of um, support from government and the crops are getting really old and so the farmers are ripping out their um, cocoa plantations and putting in palm trees and things like that which is really really sad so um, yeah so we've um, you know bought over a million uh, seedlings cocoa seedlings and put them into um, Indonesia over the last 12 months to try and you know regenerate uh, the cocoa farming over there so yeah there's there's so much to learn it's uh, yeah. really uh, an important part it's crazy it's it's a real international flavor for this business isn't it like you've got suppliers in europe like you drive into the car park and you think oh that's the local chocolate treat and then you know you've got suppliers coming from europe you've got um africa indonesia with all your cocoa supply as well it's a real international flavor isn't it uh yeah absolutely um but we still um love it to be community owned so we love people to um, it to be their chocolate tree, uh, so and for them to bring their visiting friends and relatives, you know, and and you see it all the time. You walk behind someone down the colonnade, and it's like, okay, when you get in, there's these great bowls, and you know, they're doing the little tour of their chocolate tree that they've invited someone, and that's that's what makes us proud. That's you know, and then they walk in the door, and they go, oh, and this big look on their faces, mm. yeah, really exciting. So yeah, um, we use lots and lots of local artists, and we have you know all the um, Aboriginal um, local community groups um, we have yeah it's it's surrounded and we, and we use local suppliers as much as we can they'll be our first port of call um, but of course we've got certainly the uh, international flavor as well yeah it's it's a cracking business and we've already done 25 minutes into this podcast so got about five minutes to ask you 100 <laughs> questions that I wanted to ask you I'd love to go into detail on your entrepreneurial journey journey from 18 you know to opening up that first chocolate factory chocolate tree so i don't think we're gonna have time for that though so i might just ask you about daily habits and whatnot so you mentioned resilience before as a key part of who you are and your business and is that something that was drilled into you by family your grandfather or is that something a trait that you've developed as you've been running these businesses i think it is natural um but uh yeah there's at times that i wasn't wish that i wasn't like this <laughs> which I was a normal person and then I would just give up five. and walk away yeah yep. so there's been you know over the last three months you know there's been I could count probably on yeah, the hands and toes I've said to Ian darling it's not worth it you know let's just uh, it's too hard um yeah so uh, it doesn't mean that if he said yes, I'd, I'd, you know, I'm sure that I would never just, yeah, give up and walk away. Um, it is natural to keep wanting to fight to, to the end. Um, but yeah, it's, it is really tough. Um, you know, of course, um, you know, we're in our fifties and sixties and so, you know, we had a retirement plan, so that's now been pushed out to another five, 10 years, who knows, because mm -hmm. we're still only part way through the COVID crisis. Um, so yeah, it's really disappointing. The last 10 years of hard yakka, um, yeah, has yeah has basically been lost for us as a couple financially. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's not much point uh, looking backwards. We know that there's businesses that are worse. There's no, there's some businesses that haven't opened at all. Um, so yeah, we feel lucky in that way. Yeah, it's oh, it's obviously been tough times, and yeah, if, if ever there was a test of resilience for not only you guys and just anyone out there running a small business at the moment. I mean, one in two people that we've spoken to so far on the podcast are basically facing a shutdown, total shutdown. So um, great effort though to get the doors back open and staff working and all the rest and visitors coming back through. So 
if we could talk for a second about inspiration, kind of running through questions that usually take us an hour, but inspiration, who inspires you out there? Out there, definitely my chocolatiers, yeah. So um, I come up with the ideas. So I, <clears throat> every waking moment, I'll look at something and I see how that can be incorporated in my business. I'm looking at overseas trends. Um, yeah, might be glancing at an ad on TV. Not that I watch much TV, but yeah, flicking through something, uh, newsletters that come through. You know, we all get to 100 emails um, with all those other people's newsletters and see, yeah, um, certainly, um, yeah, what, where I can take that. So I'll walk into our, you know, our production kitchens and they'll kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, you know, what's Leanne's idea? And yeah, often they'll be impossible and they'll say, well, we can't do that with chocolate or we can't do that with pastry. And then, yeah, they, they take it away and they'll bring it back. And uh, yeah, we'll, so we do lots of sampling, lots of taste testing, which is really yep. fun. Um, and so, yeah, so when we had zero uh, income or pretty much less than 5% income and we had the Rocky Road Festival coming up and we knew that we had to um, take that to people's homes, um, and so our Rocky Road Festival sales actually outdid um, our, our previous year um, by taking it uh, to people's homes. And by really? doing that, we came up with the most yeah. amazing ideas. We came up with lots and lots of kits. We came up with this 31 box, 31 flavours, and it had over four kilos of Rocky Road in it in 31 flavours. And they were just like insanely, like we couldn't make enough Rocky Road. We had to do night shifts. Um, and every day we went on to Facebook Live and I'd never done one of these and it was really hard for me who my world was falling apart to mm. get up and be so public and uh, yeah. yeah, go, hello everyone. <laughs> the big smile <laughs> on your face. Yeah, big yeah. smile on my face and go through and this is our Rocky Road for today and this is how you make yours at home and jump online and yeah. And uh, the people supported us and yeah, we were up to, you know, getting a, an order every minute. Um, in fact, our Gosh. servers crashed yep. and yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, you know, we had half the team and they just went, radio, it's only us. And so they did, they worked through the nights and we just, it was an extremely stressful time, but they, you know, knew that, you know, this is what we'd asked for. We've got it and we've got it in waves. So let's do it again. So we continue to do that. You know, um, we've just had our brownie festival. We couldn't take that home. So it needed to be refrigerated. So for our hot chocolate festival, we designed it exactly around being home. We're hoping that we're not in lockdown, but we still know um, that we have to look at online as our new way of business, um, yep. you know, going forward um, as well as because at the moment we can only get usually half the amount of people in the door. People are queuing. People are still scared to come out. Um, so, yeah, let's continue to take it home. So usually, you know, how do you take a hot chocolate festival to people's homes? Yeah. Well, we've done it and we're so excited to launch it. So, yeah. That is very cool. So just as many sales or more sales than last year online. Absolutely. That's well, fantastic. Well, yeah, in store, we did it online, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. So people can still order online now? They can yes, order yeah. to our their shop, heart's yeah. content? Our shops have always been there, but it's been just like this, oh, God, who's going to pack the three online orders today? You know, it was <laughs> like this, oh. Um, and, yeah, it was just this thing, you know, where Arnie Mary just wanted her favourite Rocky Road and off we'd go and we'd send it out. <laughs> You know, we never really pushed it or put it on social media. It was just this thing that sat there. Now it was like, okay, yeah. And we didn't have one at Mornington, so we had to, you know, quickly take, you know, photos of 500 products and throw them on and respond, you know. So that's the most, you know, important yeah. thing is to respond so quickly uh, to what's happening. Yeah, so obviously we said your staff inspire you. Another question that we like to ask on the podcast refers to creativity. So 
we like to ask if you think creativity is something that can be nurtured or is it something you are born with? Uh, yeah, so I am, yep, definitely like the entrepreneurial. Uh, yeah, so very creative naturally, um, but am totally inspired by my surroundings and people I work with. And um, so I might have the idea but I don't ever pretend that I've then got it to the end product. Uh, so then I've got, yeah, amazing people. I've got, you know, graphic designers that then will make the, you know, the packaging look amazing. And, uh, yeah, the chocolatiers and uh, pastry team that make the tastes amazing. So you'd say that it, it can be nurtured creativity? It can, absolutely. Rather than something that you're born with? Um yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I suppose it's a little bit similar when people always say, you know, you're born entrepreneur, yes, you are. Can you, you know, can you go to uni and can you train to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, you can. Um, but I, I believe it's a, it's a different uh, sort of fish. It's a different sort of person. I'm a different creative to you yeah. know, a nurtured creative. I'm certainly a natural one. Um, I'm a high risk taker um, and I'm an urgent creator i'll get something and i want it immediately i wanted to yeah come to i just want to share it i'm excited by it um whereas a nurtured one would perhaps be more um yeah uh waiting for the signal detailed and yeah slower and yeah so i'm going let's just do it yeah so more born with it and obviously that might uh, relate to your grandfather so something in the genes there you think yeah most definitely your mum and dad entrepreneurial or yeah, yeah. So yep. then, um, yeah, my dad worked in the family business, and uh, yeah, then went on to have his own businesses. But yeah, he when I mean, dad's passed now. But when I used to say that to him, he's going, "Oh, darling, I'm nothing, you know, like nothing <laughs> like you, you know, your whole, uh, yeah, you know, he, I've taken it to the next level." Um, and he's, yeah, they were very, very proud of me. So. Well, congratulations on your success to date. I know it's tough times at the moment, but well done. I'm. Um, Actually, very inspired by this episode already. We're only half an hour in, and I'm very conscious of your time. So thank you very much for your time, and we're going to get Ian in for part two, but thank you very much for joining us for part one of episode nine of Surf Coast Creators Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Very, very welcome. Yeah, it's been fun. Look forward to, uh, yeah, continuing my podcast journeys. Maybe I'll listen to one. Yeah, you'll have to tune in next week. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Leanne. You're welcome. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of episode nine of the Surf Coast Creators podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hucker. Jess Mallington's still here with me. But for part two of the episode nine of Surf Coast Creators podcast, we've got Ian Nealand, one of the co-founders, along with Leanne. So one thing we didn't touch on with Leanne was how you guys met initially. Do you want to take us through that? Okay, so, um, yeah, we met um, actually through um, through uh, business. So... Um, yeah, I was involved. It's taking you back a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I was um, running um, um, fresh vegetables for Australia for Coles, and um, Leanne was um, uh, owner and operator of a major um, a fresh vegetable business in uh, in Perth, and um, hence was one of the suppliers that um, my team and in, in WA were looking after, and. Um, so yeah, I was based in Melbourne, and we were tra- yeah, traveling uh, throughout Australia all the time, you know, looking for um, good suppliers and monitoring the um, the programs. And um, yeah, we met that way. And um, then um, after I left Coles, um, I um, s- worked in China um, with uh, I had a vegetable um, business and importing, and also uh, 
involved in uh, um, packaging and uh, subsequently yeah, that's uh, then uh, Leanne and I um, did some business together like that and um, one thing led to another and um, yeah we were married uh, almost 10 years ago. Fantastic. So married mm-hmm. 10 years now, mm-hmm. met in Western Australia, ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> counting back the years as we speak, trying yep. to make sure we got that right. Yep. Yep. Leanne's yep. going to tune into this podcast, so we have to get it right. But it seems that Leanne uh, was building and running her businesses. You said you work for Coles and a few other big corporates. So you, have you got the big corporate background as opposed to the small business background? Yeah, I had... Um... Yeah, in my career, um, yeah, I'm a son of a vegetable farmer from uh, Queensland, and um, yeah, I had a, a career in um, in banking, and then uh, um, then in Asia, we uh, established a, a small business ourselves. You know, uh, me, uh, myself, and a couple of partners um, end up uh, managing some very large salad operations in uh, in China. And then uh, subsequently came back, yeah, and headed up the veg- fresh vegetable section in Coles. So yeah, corporate background and involved in uh, in uh, the retail end as well. So um, yeah, in a way, yeah, our uh, backgrounds are complementary from a business perspective. Um, yeah, Leanne's um, yeah, developed uh, businesses from scratch, and um, yeah, she's obviously very entrepreneurial and got some great. Um, you know ideas and uh, and in, in innovation and uh, yeah I come with um, yeah some more structure to some of the thinking and, uh, and some um, finance background and uh, and a lot of pressure you know from uh, looking at margins and merchandising plans from retailing yeah yeah definitely complementary skills so it sounds like Leanne more the marketing sort of creative side of the business you the operations. Do you have? Do you give yourselves official titles here, other than founder? <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah, husband and wife. No, <laughs> we we haven't got a, a official titles. But yeah, but clearly uh, Leanne is um, yeah heading up the uh, innovation um, side of the business, and um, yeah, I'd I'd um, more involved in uh, project development, and uh, but now with COVID, um, unfortunately, we're spending a lot of time apart. You know, so. Um, Leanne in the Yarra Valley, myself here in um, the Great Ocean Road, so we can try and hold the businesses together to get through the um, the impact of COVID and um, get them restarted. It's also it's almost like restarting again these businesses. Yeah. And um, and in um, our other business in Mornington, luckily we've got a you know a very good manager there, and she's and Kylie's doing really well. And um, so we don't see her very much but we certainly have spent a lot of time uh, in our other two businesses trying to um, minimize the impact of COVID and, and now they're trying to rebuild and uh, but we're still un- in shaky ground as you'd appreciate with uh, yeah. the regulations being assessed day by day by um, by the government and um, and us now trying to you know manage the, the financial impact so um, still a few tough months ahead I can tell you yeah. yeah, it just look, it looked like we were coming good there for a second, and now the restrictions are coming back in. There's a few suburbs in lockdown in Melbourne, so hmm. very difficult times. Yeah, it is, and uh, I, many people I don't think realise the uh, yeah, we had no income for you know for three months, so uh, a substantial you know we got a lot of support from our banks and the government, of course, they defer um, payroll tax and GST, but. It's all waiting for you, and uh, so yeah. there'll be some serious discussions come September, October about uh, 
how we uh, manage this uh, mountain of um, deferred um, commitments. But yeah, so but we're, we're fighters, so we'll yeah. you know, if we're going to fight on. Yeah. Well, Leanne spoke a lot about resilience and how important that is to her. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to get through it, isn't it? Is to get up in the morning and keep going at it. I mean, if you pause, even for half a day, it's over. Yeah, well, we're you know got a core group of um, staff that we want to protect and and, nur- and continue to nurture and grow with us, and uh, so that's what gets us out of the bed every day. I think is to you know keep that team together, and then um, and then we can add bring bring more and more back and add some new people as uh, as we uh, rebuild. Yeah. I noticed that you guys have a really hands-on approach with the business. So myself and Jess, we walked in today and we were greeted at the door by Leanne. I actually said to Leanne, not knowing that she was Leanne, I said, we're here to speak to Leanne and Ian, we're doing a podcast today. And she goes, oh, I'm Leanne. So yeah. really hands-on approach. You're both in the uniforms. It's not like you're, you know, you're at the back in the suits and whatever. So yeah. that's always been a big part of your philosophy, to be there at the coalface. Yeah, from day one, um, we work side by side with the staff. Um, our team is... Um, something we're really proud of um you know we've developed um you know we've got beautiful buildings and grounds and beautiful packaging and products but um without the um the team we you know we won't be successful the culture of um, of the team is is really important uh, customer service is uh, a key asset of uh, of our business and uh, what really gives us a buzz is um you know, hearing the um, positive feedback we get from customers and uh, not only um, face-to-face but through socials. It's uh, something that uh, really gives us a lift and um, and it, it just uh, snowballs again, you know, because people are sharing the experience that they uh, they see here and, 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 experience, and that they enjoy here. And uh, through friends and family, we can uh, continue to build a customer base. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty clear just even walking from the showroom into the back office here to do the podcast that, you know, it is your staff are treated like a bit of a family. It's definitely a, a, a real sense of community, even though we spent two minutes walking through, but you get that feeling straight away. So I think that's really good. And touched on there, your staff giving you a lift. So a question we like to ask on the podcast is related to inspiration. Who Who out there inspires you in this world? So... Maybe let's just start with who inspires you in the business world. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, we're a couple in business and, um, you know, so for Leanne and I, I you know, I'm um, inspired by her and um, I think, um, you, know, I, you know, she always is, um, you know, blaming me for the pressure that's uh, <laughs> obviously happening in this business in that we now we try to set standards, um, you know, between ourselves and uh, as individuals and uh, and uh, get self-inspiration, I think, from being in, you know, together. Um, you know, to be frank, um, in the last uh, three or four months, if it wasn't for, um, you know, for us being a couple, I don't know where the business would be because... Um, you know, we've suffered a substantial setback. You know, we've been um, working on this uh, this uh, tourism uh, business that we've developed here um, in Victoria. We've been working on it for eight or nine years, and um, and to be frank, in three months, um, you know, the equity we built out, built in the up in the business, has been wiped out. So um, 
Gosh. This is serious uh, yeah. situation, and but we're not going to let it stop us. Uh, we're mm -hmm. not going to let that um, affect the uh, the mindset of our, um, our our staff or our managers, and we're going to um, you know pull through and um, yep. continue on. Yeah. So that's eight years yep. of hard work. Yeah. It could be over in September, depending on yeah. conditions. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, we've had a lot of discussion with um, you know. Um, tourism organizations and and government about the situation but um at this stage we're virtually on our own yep it's, so it's uh, a tough gig mm. so it's government and councils yeah um that not turn a blind eye in situations like this but i guess there's so much going on it's hard to dedicate yeah. time to this is not your average business, by the way. Like, this is half a million visitors per yeah. annum, is it? Is yeah, that right? exactly, yeah. Number yeah. two tourist destination in Victoria. So, yeah, from my point of view, I'd think it's, you know, there would be the support there from yeah. government and local council and if it's a community business and... But yeah, so well, basically you know, saying left on your own. Yeah, yeah we, they, you know, you get a sympathetic ear when you're talking to the council or the state government or the federal government, but... Um, they're, as you correctly say, they've got a lot going on. They're trying to work through, one, you know, this is once in a century uh, situation we all find ourselves in. So um, they too have got challenges on, on how to minimise or, or assist, you know, the industry sectors. So there is a lot of talk uh, now about um, the tourism industry and the impact thereof. And then there's lots of impacts through COVID, through lockdowns, through borders, borders closures and... Um, and I would hope that uh, in the next, uh, you know, few months there'll be some support packages come through that uh, give some meaningful um, support to the businesses that have been um, knocked for a six in this uh, in this situation. Have you ever seen anything like this in your career so far? No, uh, no. Well, you know, no. well, you, know I, uh, I, you know, I can remember, um, you know, when the twin towers came down. That was that could have led on to something dramatic for the world, but it certainly there wasn't that much of a significant impact into Australia. But uh, you know, there's been a few, but this is a big one, you know, and it, it this may be the start of others as well, you know, yeah. symptomatic of what what the world might face with um, the populations that we now have in uh, in various you know countries and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, we saw yeah. the global financial crisis too not long ago, so yeah. just before you started. And yeah. even then, we didn't see the unemployment that we're seeing now, the job losses. No. We saw a, you know, a liquidity crisis among the banks and financial institutions and mm. a drop in asset prices, but Australia was pretty much buffered from the GFC mostly. I mean, our stock market still hasn't recovered, but we well, just haven't seen the job losses that we've seen in Corona. I think that's a bit, been the biggest thing for... The man on the street. Yeah, true. It's very personal. You know, it's down to you know individuals, families, and and communities, and so yeah. And have you got staff on JobKeeper currently? Yeah, we've got uh, yeah, at uh, Belbray. Yeah, we've got uh, twenty odd staff on on JobKeeper. And uh, last, uh, you know, during the uh, lockdown period, you know, we we decreased from ninety staff down to just over twenty. And uh, they weren't on all JobKeeper, but some have come back recently on JobKeeper as we rebuild. So I think last week we uh, our payroll we paid um, 54 
so you can see that we are um, starting to rebuild um, but on the other hand the the, the, the cost of um, administering the restrictions uh, you know the you know we've got 38 pages of uh, of guidelines that we need to follow in servicing our customers in the new environment so um, yeah there's a lot going on out there to to you know control the numbers that come into the ven venue to take their particulars to do the hygiene required and uh, and on and on it goes so it's a yep. little bit like a duck going across yeah. a pond you know underneath there's a lot of arms and legs running really hard. So of the 54, um, you know, there's quite a number of them just specifically de uh, dedicated to administering the, the, the regulations. Yeah. Right. So just administering yep. regulations, yep. let alone... Yeah, like, so I mean, when I say administering, I mean, like, cleaning the knives yeah. and forks and, and sanitising, sanitation yep. and, and taking the records and then every night putting the records all together into our... Uh, into our you know record system and uh, yeah so there's lots and lots to do but and 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 rightly so you know this is a a, a community it's a national issue that we need to mm. address together and and it's uh, you know the responsibilities are forced down to individual pushed down to individual businesses yeah, yeah even more so now with the restrictions coming back in in victoria i mean mm -hmm. the rest of the country is looking at us now and yeah wanting us to raise our game as individuals and I think we've been pretty responsible to date, but do we have to be more responsible? I don't know what the answer is, but day, your daily life, I imagine quite busy. So ordinary course of business, what's a typical day look like for you? What time are you waking up and getting started? Well, uh, yeah, the first phone calls come through seven o'clock or something. Pastry team comes to work at seven o'clock and uh, you might get a call about you know something going on there to make sure that the businesses get up and rolling and um, and then uh, we have a you know the doors open at nine so by um, you know ten o'clock or ten thirty there's a you know a good number of customers in the building so um, at this stage of the rebuild uh, Leanne and I will find ourselves perhaps on the floor uh, supporting our staff at uh, during between 10 and 2 that's usually our sort of peak periods yeah. and then um, you might find time to get back into the uh, the back of house um, towards the end of the day and um, usually we're um, walking across the car park back to our because uh, we have a, a small duplex here where, where we're staying down here uh, perhaps um, 8 39 o'clock p.m. Yeah. and then uh, but under our arms would be the laptop and uh, to check back in a, a little bit later after you have something to eat, and um, yeah, then then going to sleep, there's no problem. You know? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a long, hard days at the moment. As we said before, it's um, it, it's uh, a commitment we've now made, you know, to get through this, and um, it's almost like back to 2012, uh, 2012 when we first opened Yarra Valley. I can remember these type of days. And now we're back doing it again, but um, you know we're we're going to uh, get through this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's a great attitude to have, and yeah, seven days a week too. Did I tell you that? Seven days a week. <laughs> so there's no issues with insomnia or anything like that. No. Oh, <laughs> tossing and turn if you've got a bit of a if you problems, but otherwise, yeah, we're doing uh, seven days a week, and um, I can't remember the last day we had off. Yeah. Really? So mm. a couple of years since the last holiday. Uh, holiday? Mm, yeah, maybe. Well, I, 
I don't know how open you want me to be. Like in uh, in nine years that, or, you know, between eight or ten years we've been going down this road, um, I think we've had uh, maybe three weeks off, I think, across the period. Wow. So mm. just to repeat, three weeks off in nine years. Yeah. yeah. So if you're tuning in and you haven't had a holiday for three or four yeah. months, then... That's how yeah, driven crazy we are, you know, but uh, we're, it's, it, it, it's not a goal that, uh, you know, we want to get, you know, big, fat and rich. It's about being, achieving success, you know, that's what drives us. It's about achieving success and, and, and getting, you know, the building your team up. We had 220 staff um, prior to COVID across the three locations and that, you know, makes you feel uh, great that you've given uh, all new jobs into uh, Victoria, 220 jobs, and and uh, they're all, you know, have their families to support because of what we've created. And um, so, yeah, it's about uh, success, not about the financial gains. Yeah. So that's a big part of your philosophy as a mm. as an entrepreneur, businessman. Mm. It's about success, and success for you doesn't mean yeah. having 10 million in reserve, cash reserves. No. It means creating a successful business, successful yeah. community yeah. around that business. Yeah, correct. We haven't got cash reserves. We just reinvest everything, you know. So uh, in times of crisis like this, we don't draw any salary. It's just, um, you know, everything's back into the business. And and uh, when if we do an expansion, like we just extended Yarra Valley last year, um, you know, as a $2.5 million expansion, and that just came um, from any any money we make and any of the businesses are just put back in, and um, that together with the support of the banks, banks, you know, want to support successful businesses, so we can borrow lots, but that's yeah. <laughs> coming back to bite us now with uh, the ability to, to meet commitments because of, you know, through the, the COVID situation, but anyway, that's what we do. Yes, a lot of our guests so far, they've been bootstrappers, so mm-hmm. you know, they kind of built it from the ground up and yeah. whatnot. We haven't really spoken much about debt, and mm-hmm. obviously a business of this, side, of this size, you need a bit of debt, and you obviously do. there's a lot of cash flow when the times are normal, if we ever get back to normal. But do you not recommend, but do you think that having an appropriate amount of debt is a good strategy for someone that needs a lot of capital to start a business? Uh, yeah, interest rates have never been lower and uh, debt um, usually comes with uh, not no strings attached, you know. If you wanted to um, invite equity partners in to, um, to be involved with your business, um, equity is more expensive than bank debt um, and also comes with other conditions that... Uh, for us, Leanne and I, where um, we want to control what we're doing, and um, the buck stops stops with us. Um, we don't want to have big corporate structures within our business that um, are complicated, that takes a long time to make decisions, and uh, and can be costly as well. So yeah, we've uh, relied on um, on debt yep. as as our main source of um, capital to help us uh, grow the businesses. For us, when we first started 10 years ago, everything we owned, uh, everything we had, we put on the table. And really? um, yep. for Yarra Valley, um, if that wasn't successful, mm, I suppose we would have gone back somewhere to work for wages because we would have had yep. nothing, <laughs> less than nothing. Yeah. So on the table, you mean you sold the house, everything? Everything. Put every last, everything. sell the cars, 
Cars, yeah, cars, yeah, everything. We had, uh, we kept one car, still got it, <laughs> and we use it as one of the company cars now yep. for the team to use in uh, in Yarra Valley yeah, to run around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So such is the sacrifice to get a big business off the ground. Yes. Yeah. A business like this, like it's not like you can open up an online store and off you go start selling chocolates. You need a presence, don't you, in the community. You need a yeah, yeah. physical space where you need to sell your product. Yeah, we wanted to, um, our um, concept, um, it was to establish a significant business up front to uh, get it uh, um, to make a, make its presence felt in the in the region of Yarra, we chose Yarra Valley as the first region and um, it wasn't yeah we didn't want to be a small retail shop we wanted to be a tourism destination so therefore we needed the footprint we needed the land we needed the, the the large building we always wanted to you know have a couple of hundred seat cafe as as part of it that cafe is actually servicing the customer when they come to to you know to buy the chocolates to enjoy the experience that we created i'm sure leanne's talked about our marketing you know we market the experience we don't just um sell chocolates or sell hot chocolates or 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 ice creams we're marketing experience so all our little all our little businesses put together the little businesses being the the grounds the admin the the cafe, the the chocolate making, the chocolate retailing, you add them all together and that's the experience um, that we, um, we're, we're marketing to our, to our customers and to our new customers. So we needed to um, establish a significant business up front and that's why um, we went all out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, and in our first year um, in Yarra Valley, yeah, 407 or 410,000 visitors. So 410,000, gosh, sorry. Just uh, bang, yeah. So it was really successful day one, and uh, yeah, astonished us. We were well over what we thought we would do, and um, and we went from there. Yeah. Do you know where Mornington and Yarra Valley sit in terms of top twenty, top ten tourist destinations in Victoria? So Great Ocean Road number two, or is it collectively all three? Is no, no, no. Two? Yeah, uh, Yarra Valley. Um, with eight eight hundred thousand visitors a year would be the number two in number Victoria two. after Sovereign Hill probably. Sovereign Hills are you know government owned and so I think yeah. we are the number one privately owned um, uh, tourism business in Austra- in uh, Victoria. If you add um, Great Ocean Road with five hundred thousand and yeah. and then uh, uh, Flinders, um, yeah, we get um, over a hundred thousand visitors there. So um, there's substantial together. It's substantial. In national terms, yeah, in terms of the tourism operation uh, that we've been, you know, don't know, there's no luck in it. Yeah. <laughs> we've that we've uh, established, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's something to be proud of, and yeah, uh, I, I, I hope our um our families are proud of that as well. Yeah, and and the staff who work for us, yeah. Yeah, and it's fair to say you see yourself as a tourism business. Oh, definitely. So not a not a retail shop, not a chocolate factory. Chocolate factory. No, you no. are first and foremost a tourism business, and you are in the business of providing an awesome experience. Exactly, and um, I would I would know that if you asked our key people in the, throughout the businesses, they would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're very very focused on the customer experience. Yeah. It's probably a good segue into our final question. That's half an hour already. I can't believe how quickly that's gone. So. Our final question alludes to advice for listeners. So you talked about providing an experience, and that's obviously a big part of this business model. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can't say that would be the number one goal for every other business, but what would be your number one piece of advice for people that are... So a lot of our, just to explain, a lot of our listeners are um, side hustlers, freelancers, you know, they've got a hobby like photography, videography, arts and crafts, cooking, mm. whatever it might be. Um, they've taken a few steps to sort of turning that hobby into a bit of a side income and perhaps now they want to turn that side income into a full-time job. What would your number one piece of advice be for those people? Uh, focus on your customer and, um, you know, customer service, whether it's um, uh, in the initial um, first touch point with them or whether it's during the transaction or whether it's in the follow-up service, it's um, customer service like, you know, Leanne and I will run from one end of the office to the other with not very big offices, I can tell you, but to answer the phone, yep. you know, example, never let the phone ring off and um, we will answer the phone. We will, uh, that's why your laptop's under your arm when you're walking across the car park because we will answer those emails um, that day mm-hmm. or, you know, or within, you know, 24 hours. It's, um, you've just got to be um, totally focused um, uh, on the customer. Yeah. And that goes back to experience, doesn't it? Provide yeah. a absolute A-class service to your customer and then it creates a better experience. So Here, here. And then they will take that experience away with them and, um, and share it with their friends and family. This day and age with social media, it's even more vivid. You know, yeah. They will send an image of their customer experience and, uh, and share it with their two or three hundred friends who then got friends and family as well. So, yeah, we... Yeah, that's how it get the, the message gets out. Good yeah. and bad. Yeah. Now, it's been awesome to chat with you, Ian. Really appreciate your time today. It's been a quick 30 minutes. We spoke mm-hmm. to Leanne, obviously, for, before that for part one. So part two with Ian. Where can we go online to follow your story? Social media? Yeah, so Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, get us on the, on the web. So we're there for you. And... Um, but if in, if in doubt, give us a call, you know, the old telephone as well. But, we know uh, you're not going to let that phone yeah, ring out. We won't so. <laughs> let that phone ring out and we won't let that email go unanswered. Yeah. Excellent. I think really good advice. Really appreciate your time today. And I hope for the sake of yourselves and the business, yourself and Leanne, mm. that, you know, things get back to some sort of normality by the end of the year. Fingers crossed. It's a great business. I'd hate to see the doors shut. So... Fingers crossed you're still here this time next year and absolutely killing it. So thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers. Bye.